0: Greetings, Amigops and Top Teners everywhere. This is your co-host, Kyle, welcoming you to Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. Opposite me today, as he is every week, is your other co-host, Mike. Today, Mike has prepared a Top Ten list. I don't know what it is. I have no clue. He's going to relay that list to me. We're going to debate it vigorously. And by the end of the episode, we will have a definitive Top Ten list for your listening pleasure. Mike, What will we be discussing this week?
1: All right, k Dog. This week, we will be talking about one of our favorite characters of all time. I sure hope that you are accepting of the format of this list. And if you're not, we can scrap it immediately. I'll go to bed and we'll do it another time. (laughs) This evening, we will be talking about our dear friend, Bruce Wayne, Batman. (laughs) You're giggling
0: an awful lot. Do you have a, do you have this exact thing in mind? No, I cannot wait to see what top 10 of Bruce Wayne we are doing. So you
1: and I actually offline were just discussing the importance of for big topics, (laughs) tackling them in small ways so that we can really get at all the little pieces of meat on the bones that is not what i did this evening good i think that going forward we should come back around to our dear friend batman and do this but for this evening i want to talk about the top 10 best batman works so Ah. these are the stories the top 10 batman stories i've got a couple sort of rules here that i'm assuming you'll be thinking about so we will be comparing very much apples and oranges so we'll be talking about episodes of television shows entire movies not series comic book sort of runs okay i think that that kind of captures it right is there anything else you're thinking of video games so those these will all be we'll be considering an episode of batman the animated
0: series against an entire theatrical film for example sure i assume obviously a a film need not have been released in theaters for it to count like there have been several feature-length animated batman series absolutely we're including all entries in the batman i figured as much (laughs) yes yes
1: absolutely (laughs) the other important note is i think unless a work has been adapted directly directly that's my big question because from one medium to another we are considering them separately so taking for example (laughs) let's go outside of the batman universe here logan like old man logan and logan i would leave it up to your discretion but we would because i i haven't read the comic we would only count that as the same work if logan is is pretty much shot for shot frame for frame
0: as old man logan is okay i can very clearly already tell where this will apply in this list. And I think yeah. they should qualify as two very different things. Yes. And in, in certain cases, there's a few cases where this applies. I can think of one <laughs> that we'll be discussing probably near the top of this list. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> All right. I'm excited. I love it. We, we've, we've, we've only alluded to our ridiculous love of Batman before. So this should be good. Yeah, and so we're going to talk about, like I said,
1: Bat- Batman works tonight, but I would very much like to do, like, I don't want to suggest too many, but there's a lot yeah. of other Batman lists that I'd really like, including one particularly comedic Batman list that I think you would really do great justice to. So, we'll talk about those Stay tuned, yes. top 10. Foreshadowing. Uh, this is a big market tease, I believe they call uh, that. Uh, in the biz. Yes. In the biz. All right, so let's uh, let's get right down to it. Yeah. Uh, n- number ten is the case of the Chemical Syndicate. So this is, for all intents and purposes, Batman issue one. So this is the first appearance of our good friend Batman in Detective Comics. So this came out in 1939. It is Batman's first appearance, and the note that I made is that it fascinatingly introduces us to our good friends at the utterly ethical corporation Ace Chemicals.
0: Ace top if we're doing a top 10 list of <laughs> sinister outwardly legal front corporations, Ace Chemical is number 1 probably. Ace is <laughs> got court. to be number 1. I I got
1: to think it's somewhere but be- between ace and who's the toy company that always has abandoned life-size jacks in the box (laughs) that
0: the joker uses for nefarious purposes those two and oscorp are like the biggest ones probably yeah oscorp's a
1: tough one and whatever company what's his name the um the guy from the
0: upcoming venom adaptation whatever oh, his company is the human like corp or something dumb like that yeah yeah it's, yeah it's the, like
1: the, the human corp or future yeah. corp or something
0: <laughs> it just sounds evil it does sound evil ace chemical though yeah
1: ace chemical so case of the chemical syndicate is on this list for the very obvious reason and, and i when i say case of the chemical syndicate i'm really putting that in as a stand-in for the original bob Kane run yeah this is This introduced us to Batman, and I think it's really important for you and me and for the listeners to take stock of where the comic book world was at the time and where it is now. I mean, comic books were these bright paneled, cheery, often very sort of they took a strong stance in a lot of realms in politics, religion, things like that generally in a very jingoistic manner. That is not the case with Batman. It wasn't even at the beginning. Cause this, I just read the quick summary of this. It's, I don't think it's, it, I don't know who it is. Somebody in town hall or somebody in the police department, their son is suspected of committing a murder. Their fingerprints are found on a knife okay. and Batman gets to the bottom of this crime. And we only find out that he is Bruce Wayne right at the end of the comic. It's, just classic batman at a time when classic batman did not exist
0: it is cool to see how true like how little this character has changed over however many years of you yep. know a ridiculous number of iterations i also i also think it's cool because this is true of a lot of different superheroes in comics is that their initial appearance is usually it's typically not like batman number one like they appear exactly. in something else like for example, Spider-Man was in, uh like, the 15th issue of Amazing Fantasy. And it was only after that issue sold really well that Spider-Man started appearing in his own line of comics, Yeah, which I think is cool. And, like, the leading of this particular story is very detective-y, which, yeah. which like, that thread has stayed more or less throughout the Batman character ever since, which is great. That's
1: a really good point. I think it's a really good note. And I think it's funny when you think about the names marvel comics versus detective comics like that if that doesn't sort of presage the holy war that would come in the basically century after this i don't know what does because yeah this is it speaks to exactly where batman came from he's a detective he comes from this world of noir and genre is really important to him in a way that isn't so much for the marvel comics a men amen all right so clocking in at number nine is an all-time favorite of ours one that i think a lot of people think very highly of but you and i really love and that is perchance to dream
0: oh jesus so do you want to give the audience a little uh a little background on perchance to dream yes perchance to dream is the title of an episode of batman the animated series i don't remember which season yeah i think it's it's somewhere in that really meaty stretch like season two or three so Batman fights a villain throughout his career called the Mad Hatter. He's a little more obscure. He focuses mm-hmm. on really psychedelic mind control-y type schemes. Yep. He manages in an altercation with Batman to fit him with a mind control device and in an effort to basically keep him alive, but out of incapable of stopping his plots, he basically tricks Batman into believing that he had a very bad dream in which he was the batman and wakes up as an adult bruce wayne to find that his mother and father were actually not murdered and the basically the entire episode you don't you don't know this i think i think you only find out later that he's been tricked into thinking this yeah and the whole episode is this amazing life that bruce wayne leads he has a wife his parents are there. He finds out at the end of the episode what is really going on and struggles very deeply with whether or not he wants to, to snap out of this, this false reality that he's been under. <laughs> this more so than any other episode of Batman, the animated series is why it's, it's perfect evidence for why this is not really showed intended just for children
1: (laughs) yeah well i think so i think what's really interesting about this episode is it drives home the point that the initial tragedy of losing his parents is this exceptionally traumatic experience but it's not ultimately the defining bit of his life like reliving that trauma is is probably the defining day-to-day experience of his life in that going out to fight crime is this like is this act of atonement this act of obliteration of this terrible thing that happened to him but underneath that like the really very core of his being is this enduring tragedy that he doesn't get this life and that's something that i think we lose sight of sometimes when we're seeing anything sad happen on screen on page but especially with batman because the manner of losing his parents was so shocking that we focus so much on that it's really easy to forget that in addition to having this really violent loose loss of his parents, he then doesn't have parents going forward. He never has parents. He never has this normal life. That's an amazingly complex and adult theme to tackle. And it's done in a really interesting way.
0: Yeah. Like in, in watching the episode, it, you're right. It, it definitely highlights the impact of like what having parents would do as a, as a compounding effect throughout the rest of his life.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: you and I have both been
1: getting back into the Harry Potter-verse recently, and I was struck by that recently in listening to some of the Harry Potter. I want to say it was Goblet of Fire, and a couple times, it's really hit home, not just that Harry's parents were killed, but that they're not there. He's not having the life he was going to have. And that's this big tragedy that, that Batman has that this episode tackles really well. And it definitely is... Just a, cl- a master class
0: in blending the high and the low, the adult and the juvenile in a way that's just brutal. And the climax is really compelling too, because he ends up confronting the Mad Hatter like atop this bell tower. Yep. And it's really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'd recommend that. I think, I'm pretty sure Batman the Animated Series is available on Amazon Prime Video. It's a, it is now. This is so worth 21 minutes of anyone's time. So, yeah, that's one of the nice things about Batman the animated series
1: is it's very welcoming if you want to just drop in on the classics and yeah, then, you if know, you if you want to expand
0: you can, but drop in on the classics yeah, if you start. don't want if you don't want to play an 8-hour video game or read a graphic novel. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of graphic novels, good segue.
1: Number 8 is one of the all-time classics. All comic books are heavy on the origin story, but Batman has a particularly compelling one and Batman Year 1 is one of the best retellings of that origin story. I've not read Batman Year One. It's on my list. Yeah. Well, you will thoroughly enjoy it. You may recall you and I actually watched Batman Year One. It was on that Batman Super Pack that we had.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Yes. So if I'm remembering correctly, this is the the TV, the video adaptation of this was the one that kind of paints... Jim Gordon in a slightly darker light, correct? Yes. I do remember yeah. now. So that's what's, that's what I want to highlight on this one is that the origin story of all comic book characters is really important. And Batman's origin was very well known for a very long time. And it's been retold many times. It's pretty startling that 40 ish years, 50 ish years actually, this came out in 1987 after his original appearance. It was still possible to just blow people's minds with how this all started what i think is really cool is that this story fundamentally understands that this is not just batman's story it's his world it's really important that this world feel lived in and feel really vital and it's really cool that it
0: follows detect i think detective at that time gordon it really follows it pretty much from his perspective right yeah pretty much it made it definitely made like the gotham police department feel very real and lived in yeah yeah. And that's huge because
1: the Batman saga doesn't work nearly as well if it's just about Batman because you recognize that he can't work as a solo operator. It just doesn't work. And that whole, that whole motif that you get in the Dark Knight about making your deal with the devil, it's, it's sort of highlighted as being true for Gordon. It's especially true for Batman. He does not trust that anybody's intentions are pure beyond his own. And even that he often <laughs> doubts. But yet he has to work with them constantly because there's no choice. He isn't Tony Stark exactly, though he probably could be. He isn't Superman. He isn't a god like Thor. He's a guy. He has to work to some degree outside of but alongside the system.
0: Further up on this list, there are some stories that lean really heavily on that concept and spell it out in pretty clear detail so
1: yeah that's a that's a favorite all right so clocking in at number seven is one of the stories that highlights the theme of detection and the fact that batman is the world's greatest detective number seven is batman arkham asylum so i chose arkham asylum rather than the follow-up games because arkham asylum is the one in this video game series that fundamentally gets That Batman is a detective. That the probably the most interesting avenue into Batman's world is in his detection. His fighting is interesting, and that can make for a fun video game, but a lot of characters fight. Not a lot of characters do so much work with their minds.
0: I couldn't agree more. There are four games in this series. Probably the greatest achievement in video gaming in those in that series is arkham city yeah arkham asylum is easily the greatest achievement in storytelling and character and world building do you remember when we were watching this and the spirit of arkham tapes were playing this is a a video (laughs) game trend that's become popular in the last 15 years as yeah as video games have really transformed from couch distractions into serious artistic Outlets for storytelling is the, the method of relaying story components through written or oral log, basically. Yeah. It's become very popular and this game does it to perfection with the spirit of Arkham. You piece together this, this mystery and this story little bit as a time as you go deeper and deeper into the history of this asylum yeah and for
1: and for just a little background for the listener you are like creeping through this really terrifying asylum and the spirit of arkham is this disembodied creepy ghostly voice that you're hearing in these series of recordings with deranged
0: inmates it's incredible and you hear like you you get to pick up nurses and doctors logs kind of describing the madness of all the inmates basically all Batman's villains that he's put in Arkham over the years yeah this game is really important because as experiencing this game firsthand you're excited to beat up villains but it's only the third best part of the game the second best is the stealth components because that's yep. so important for Batman jumping around in the rafters yep. sneaking up on people and using stealth to achieve your goals but the the most important thing is that this game actually forces you to think like Batman would in solving mysteries he looks for fingerprints yeah he analyzes audio logs that we talked about this before on the dick villains podcast there are riddler riddles everywhere you have to use your mind there are a lot of cool perspective puzzles following clues it feels like a sherlock holmes game that happens to take place in this super eerie insane asylum where you're trapped for an evening it's it's (sighs) masterful
1: And it's never cheesy. I don't even know how that's possible. It's it's really funny to think about how stories, it's such a razor's edge between a story that works perfectly and a story that doesn't work at all. And this idea of solving these little mysteries and perspective clues, and it could have gone so horribly wrong because you've been like, oh, I see the fingerprints over there. It's just calibrated perfectly to the right level of difficulty, to the right sort of level of variety. It's so well done. And I think you actually touched on something that I hadn't thought of, but that I think is really important about Arkham Asylum. Is it picks up on the thread that I think Christopher Nolan captured, especially well in Batman Begins, which is fear. That Batman is so much about fear. And you actually can watch the heart rates Of the thugs in the asylum As you pick them off one by one From on top of these gargoyles You can watch their heart rates get elevated They start acting irrationally If you're really smart you can get them To do such stupid stuff I think can you get them to fire on each other Sometimes even Or
0: they fire wildly for sure You can get them distracted and if they're nervous enough They'll fire off and distract other people So you can do it Yeah What's cool about this game is you feel super empowered, like a like a creature of the night, like Batman yep. is, without feeling overpowered. Because yep. that's one thing that the later games suffer from is in an effort to make the games feel fresh, you get new gadgets that are Yeah. And the and the villains start to feel like unrealistically souped up. So yep. it becomes there are more fighting games towards the end of the series. This game mm-hmm. is perfectly calibrated and we've spent a long time talking about it, but this is On my personal list, very high in terms of my favorite video games of all time. Absolutely. Same here. All right, dog. Talking about great
1: villains. Number six is the origin story of one of- Did you to any kind
0: of not top three put together? Didn't even want to go there. The only thing I would say, and we've talked about this numerous times before, really did not like- Justice League. (laughs) Yeah, I did not like Justice League. I
1: actually, I flipped the TV on earlier and saw Batman vs. Superman. I am so positively predisposed towards Batman that I, as you know, found some positive takeaways
0: from that. But even with that, holy God, Justice League was so bad. Justice League is terrible. At least in Batman vs. Superman, there were some really cool scenes that did not involve Superman at all. Like, that warehouse scene where he takes all those dudes out is incredible. And, like, the really dark, like, older Batman that they paint Mm -hmm. towards the beginning of that movie, like, in the news and stuff, is really compelling. So, anyway, we don't have to go through a whole not-top three. Just want to reiterate, again, in case it's not clear that Justice League was such utter trash. Oh, it sucks butts. It sucks so many butts. All of the butts. It's so bad. Yeah. We forgot (laughs) to even mention butt punches.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Just quick. A quick note on how Batman knocks out his thuggish... So when you
0: dispatch baddies in the Arkham games, it's like this pre-recorded animation <laughs> where a bad guy is laying on the ground and Batman like straddles him on his knees and just punches him in the head as hard as he can and knocks him yeah. out. But sometimes the animation gets screwed up so that the guy's head is, like, between Batman's knees, and so he's punching at the opposite end of the body, which, if they're yeah. facing upwards, kind of makes sense, because he punches them in the dick, the dick punch yeah. that knocks him out. It's- it punches them so hard in the dick
1: that they get knocked out, which is believable, because I, I think that probably is a thing. What's
0: more incredible is that if they're facing <laughs> down, he punches them squarely in the butt, and it knocks them out, which... The force you would need to punch someone in the butt to knock them out is the most heavily protected part of the average human body. (laughs) That's the only part of that game that feels like Batman is a superhuman. That he can punch someone so hard in the butt that they are knocked unconscious. Totally agree, but it feels like an appropriate
1: superpower for Batman. Agreed. I like that. Number six. Number six, <laughs> speaking of great villains, just like whatever the guy in Justice League's name is, who has those weirdly animated flying wolf mosquito things, <laughs> Steppenwolf, was that what it was? We talked yes. about this. It's Steppenwolf, right? Bleh. Yeah. Speaking of great villains, our dear friend, Mr. Freeze, comma, MD. Thank you. So,
0: Heart of Ice. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. The only question was was if it was going to be Heart of Ice or Sub-Zero.
1: So I decided to put my personal affections aside. (laughs) As, As abiding as my love of Batman Sub Zero is, I couldn't in good conscience put it ahead of Heart of Ice. Heart of Ice is pretty broad, pretty widely considered like one of the greatest episodes of television of all time. Yes. Never mind animated TV, never mind Batman the animated series. It's one of the greatest 30 minutes of or 60, 60 minutes, right? It's a two-parter. I think so. Of television that's ever been. It follows the origins of. So he was not created in this episode, right? But he was still very new.
0: Yeah. I believe okay. so. It's been a long so, time since I've watched it.
1: Yeah. So my recollection is that Mr. Freeze, who. Side note from our friend Dr. Evil. I didn't go to evil freaking medical school to be called Mr. Evil. Thank you very much. Dr. Freeze changes from doctor to mister when he becomes a supervillain seems like an odd progression
0: it's I not totally a very good
1: disguise no it's exactly because it's not like people are wondering whether it's him what's doc what's mr
0: freeze's secret identity like no one questions like we yeah, know nobody like,
1: looks through the roles of gotham university medical school and is like uh, you know there was
0: this guy victor freeze
1: but he spelled his name f-r-i-e-s at the time and I mean, he's a doctor for God's sake. Like, can't be the same guy. Yeah. It's not that great of a, of a disguise. All that aside, this follows the story, the utterly tragic story of the now doc, now evil Mr. Freeze in his journey from a pioneering scientist in the field of cryogenics whose own wife is, is, stricken with a rare is a blood disease i believe she has some disease that cannot be cured oh my god and dr freeze in his quest to save her cryogenically freezes her hoping to defrost her at such time as a cure has been found for her terrible disease Oh. oh my god it's just it's a really beautiful and poignant and sad kind of story and the thing that i think is amazing about it is all of these superhero stories, we use the term mythology, and really, the the point of these is to sort of imitate, like, these Greek tragedies, these myths, and those stories, what's so neat about them is that they stand for something huge, and they feel like the definitive story of that thing. Like, when you think about the story of how the sun is trailed on a chariot across the sky, it's like, what well, that's... The definitive story of a really elemental thing. That's how this story feels. It feels like a Greek tragedy. It feels like the story of the guy who goes too far to save the person he loves. Like it feels like it could, it could be that one story to teach that one lesson to people all time.
0: I think it's cool how a lot of those tragedies, like you were saying, leave the tragic character in question kind of in a perpetual loop of like yep. mourning. And yeah. and that's exactly what this is. Like this guy is compl- is stuck. Like the permanence of of Nora being yeah. on ice feels like he's stuck in this. Like he's he's in the suit. He's also frozen in time, and like there's no way out of this this loop of tragedy. That yeah, he's
1: in. she's literally encased in ice, frozen in time. If that just that feels like something that would happen in an actual ancient tragedy to actually free somebody in time is the kind of literal exemplification
0: of some inner state that is just so powerful it's great and I, not in this particular episode but like uh, elsewhere in the series like that's his only motivation like yeah. there, there are cases where i think the penguin in one of the games like manages to find the vault where she's stored and like extorts to freeze to doing stuff because he has Nora and like he, uh, it's not like he's robbing banks. He's like everything he does. This is an effort. Well, he will rob banks to get money to fund his research. Yep. But like, he's a very understandable and compelling character because yeah. you wonder like if I was in this position, like what would I do? You know, totally. And it's, it's one of those things. The only thing that keeps regular
1: people from doing stuff like this is that they don't happen to have the particular set of skills Of a Dr. Freeze. But if they did. Anybody would do this. Anybody would go to these lengths. To save the person they love. Because they love them so much. And nothing else matters. If you really love somebody to exclusion. The way that Dr. Freeze does Nora. It makes perfect sense.
0: What I think is tragic. Is that. Or what I would love to see done in in film. or, or, Or some other medium. Is a scenario wherein he finally can cure her. Oh. And she comes back and realizes kind of what he's become and what he's done to get her to where she is. I think, oh. I think. That, oh fuck! You're breaking my heart right now. Wouldn't that be a unbelievably terrible thing to behold? Oh, like, it's sort of like the Craven the Hunter thing, a little bit like that. Or is uh. as much as this particular storyline is lambasted by the the fan base, kind of the Anakin Padme thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the K
1: and Michael Corleone, like. But the interesting thing here is that she doesn't really have a say, so she can't. So she can't really be complicit in those quiet ways that, like, the the classic mob boss wife is. Right. Oh man. So. Oh T M trademark. Nobody in yeah. the audience steal this idea. This is a good it's idea. Probably,
0: it's probably been done. And I just, we just yeah, there's know. some fan. There's some fanfic somewhere. Any, anyways, Heart of Ice is just the best. The best Dr. Freeze, closely yeah. followed by Arnold Schwarzenegger's turn in <laughs> Batman Forever. What's your favorite pun from him on that one? I think that it's tempting to go with the freeze. Yeah. But my particular favorite is Ice to Meet You.
1: Yeah, I think Ice to Meet You has got to be the best. I like chill. Chill out. <laughs> he tells her to chill out. But yeah, Ice to Meet You is is probably... It's probably the best.
0: That Dr. Free that Mr. Freeze is really not motivated by anything other than being swole as fuck.
1: Yeah, it doesn't it's an It's just it's odd in a lot of ways that we needn't necessarily explore and perhaps could explore in another episode. But just of all people, he's not German. Yes, his surname F-R-I-E-S kind of seems like it could be German, but Of all characters, there's none that covers up the body of the actor portraying it more than somebody in a gigantic metal suit. I don't know. It just feels like they missed a lot of the things that make Arnold so appealing. That is Batman Forever, right? The one with Clooney? This one is Batman and Robin, uh, that you're thinking of. Batman Forever is the one with the Riddler and the Tommy Lee Jones Jones. Two-Face. But it's the same, it's the same kind of, where Chris O'Donnell
0: is in both inexplicably. I don't totally get that, but... But it is the George Clooney one and not the Val Kilmer one. That is correct, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Anyways, Heart uh, of Ice, number six. At any rate, Heart of Ice, number six. All right, number five, one that I think
1: you may have been thinking about earlier, a very interesting sort of background to its release, where it's an animated film that was actually released in theaters, wasn't originally received quite as warmly, and is now... Going down as, as one of the great animated films, one of the great Batman, yada, yada, yada. Number
0: five is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. I knew this would be high. It, when you read lists of the best Batman movies, this is usually like top three. Yeah. Like this is an incredible piece of, it's not film, I guess, but I mean, like it's, you don't have to qualify it as like a great animated movie. It's just a great movie. Totally. That's that's the neat thing about all of these is you
1: and I both were born without the shame gene anyway. But even if we were Mm. born with the shame gene, I certainly would feel none about Batman because these are very adult themes tackled in very adult ways. And Mask of the Phantasm is an interesting one because you get we got earlier in perchance to dream this one alternate timeline where everything is fine in in Bruce Wayne's life and he's never really becomes Batman. That's one road that he could have gone down. Another one, which is kind of what we're shown in Mask of the Phantasm, is what could have happened if Batman had, instead of becoming Batman, become what people fear Batman is and become kind of a murderer. Because we're shown a, a parallel story in this. We won't, I and mean, we can give it Don't away. Don't spoil but, it. But we're, we're shown a parallel story where somebody goes down a much darker but similar path. To the path that Bruce Wayne takes. I think that's a really cool idea. Because we get a good sense. I think of the moral fiber of Batman. Which it's a really interesting. To see all the times. Where his moral fiber is tested. And where the cracks. In that moral fiber are are shown. But I also think it can get a little cynical at times. I think it's really important. We remember on some level. While we are you know, healthily critical of Batman that he's a pretty remarkable person in his determination to stay on the path that he's chosen.
0: Yeah, it's hard to discuss this too too much in detail. And I really do think it's important not to spoil this one. Yeah. Because if someone does want to watch it, that's part of the appeal of it. But Mm -hmm. it's true because, like, oftentimes Batman is put up against people that are, like, different enough from him it's hard to make like a true like the batman versus like the batman versus joker comparison is a really compelling one but it's a slightly different one than we're that we we get here yes you know yeah and it's kind of fun like to see in a lot of different iterations of this making fun of kind of batman's rule and it is and we make fun of it all the time too like in in batman begins like (laughs) i don't have to save you like you killed yeah. that guy. <laughs> yeah. But Rick killed a guy. Yeah, he absolutely did. But this like this puts it in a spotlight that it's cool to see it really focused on.
1: Totally. I saw there's a there's a guy I work with who has a quote displayed in his office by GK Chesterton and it's about basically just how easy it is to be cynical and how difficult it is to be positive. And even that it's easy to be cynical about that line and you can get really meta no question. I like cynicism. It plays for easy laughs, but just like Parks and Rec, which we just talked about, it's really hard to be funny while looking at the world through, you know, a really positive lens. And that's the same thing with Batman. And that's something that I think is cool about this story is it looks at him with a generous eye and is still really insightful.
0: This always reminds me of in the Marvel cinematic universe, the way that this Debate usually comes about is by putting said X character up against the Punisher. The, the Punisher is a much more egregious and overt symbol for killing because yeah. it's literally all he does. But mm-hmm. that storyline has been used. Spider-Man versus Punisher. More yep. very compellingly done in TV and season two of Daredevil, mm-hmm. which I recommend. But this, the, you don't actually get it too often that I know of, and I guess they did it really literally. in Man of Steel. They tried to do it with Superman and Zod, but Eesh. yeah, this is, this is cool. Cause I think it also, it's, cause it's also not, cause in those stories, Daredevil versus Punisher, it's obviously wrong what the Punisher is doing. And there's not a lot of gray area. One side is good. And one side is bad. And this particular story, like, <laughs> It really, you, you could, you could be convinced by the end of it, like, you know, like, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if Batman were to be killing people, and you can't understand why his opposition in this movie is doing what they are. You know what I mean? Yep. Totally. It, it, it's not black and white, <laughs> and it is an animated film, but it is, again, <laughs> not only exclusively for children themes. So. Yeah. Right on.
1: Right on, dog. Alright. just
0: a four, I believe.
1: We are on Numero 4. Numero 4 is the definitive story, I think in most people's eyes, of the definitive villain of all time. Number 4 is The Killing Joke. Have you read The Killing Joke? No. So I have not read it still because I gave it to you and I'm waiting on it. Well, it's not like I've been asking you for
0: it. We just gotta swap it. I forgot that that is your copy and I can see it literally from where I'm sitting now. Oh, no, no, it's not, it's not my copy. I got it, I got it for you. It's your copy. Oh. Okay. Yeah, no, no, well, I no. no I, had, I purchased it for right. you that's with right. the
1: idea that at some point I will borrow it. No, no, you, you owe me other books, but not this one.
0: What books do I owe
1: you? I don't know. I think you have Shadow of the Wind. I do have Shadow of the Wind. Okay, you got at least one. Jameson's got one or two, and I'm gonna track his ass down.
0: I will get you Shadow of the Wind and I will get you the Killing Joke <laughs> when I see you in three weeks now. Okay. <laughs> we'll have a big instead of celebrating your impending nuptials, we'll just swap a bunch of books. <laughs> so the killing joke is Yeah. the basically the definitive origin story of the Joker. Mm-hmm. it it's the widely accepted origin story, basically. there are a couple of different accounts of it. The killing oh, joke there sure are yeah <laughs> yeah, not <never> very good. <laughs> the killing joke is incredibly upsetting it these books or these books and TV shows and movies are all violent in a punchy kind of way. yeah this book is is violent in like a very real way, and it we were just talking about this this central debate of Batman being able to justify taking another person's life and like in the dark knight where the joker is obsessed with getting batman to admit that he and the joker are the same mm-hmm. in this it's kind i mean he does that too in the dark knight but in this book he's obsessed with doing something so heinous that he can get batman to break that one rule <laughs> and he really goes out of his way and it's really more than any other Batman story I can think of hard to read and kind of upsetting because it, it dives into some really psychologically damaging stuff that the Joker does to a couple people in Batman's life and it really highlights like just how manic the Joker is yeah. and I think that's kind of the reason that people like this one so much. Mm-hmm. It's also really beautifully illustrated. Uh, it's pretty short. It really won't take you long to read but it, it really packs a wallet.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting when you think about how different villains and heroes are often two sides of the same coin. And I think it's interesting because depending on your lens, Batman and the Joker are two sides of any number of coins. So I think there's no question that they are two sides of a coin, but it's what is that coin? Like I think the different different shows and different storylines play it for different sort of things that they represent. And I don't know if what your take is on the killing joke, but I think the most interesting version of this dichotomy that, that can be played up is the order versus chaos version of this right formulation. And it seems like that's a big part of what the killing jokes appeal is 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 that it harps very fundamentally on Batman as a symbol of order and the Joker as a symbol of chaos.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm sorry that it's taken you this long. You will very much enjoy enjoy reading this one.
1: I look very much forward to it. So I think that brings us to number three, because I don't want to do honorables. I think that there's probably going to be some overlap. And there's no way that you and I can cover the full spectrum of the... Just thousands of stories, so there's going to be some overlap between what you and I are have been exposed to. So I'm just going to go to number three. Number three is one that I know is very high on your list of favorite stories that even exist. Number three is the Long Halloween. Oh boy! So I think the 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 thing that the Long Halloween captures so well, in a way that I think is a little bit different from the top two, which we'll get to. Number 3 i think starts the debate on whether batman's great appeal and what makes him different the stories of batman makes him different from his other superhero competitors is is it the genre or is it the character That's a question that I ask because I think Batman's genre is fundamentally pretty different from most of the other superheroes out there because it is so much more focused on detection and on sort of the noir tropes that you've seen from, you know, the 1920s, 1930s and on. And that's a huge part of his appeal because you're just getting a different genre. You're reading Batman. And it's not apples to apples to say Batman comics versus Superman comics because they're they're kind of a different genre. So that's one side of this, what is Batman's lasting appeal, I think. And then I think the other side of his lasting appeal is the character himself. Like the force of this character, how different he is because of the lack of superpowers, because of the trauma of this personal story, which is shared with a lot of other characters, but in a way that's kind of, portrayed differently i think that the long halloween is the best argument for this genre appeal of batman that this is a truly great example of the noir the murder mystery genre
0: i couldn't agree more i think that this story we alluded to it earlier this concept of batman existing as a part of a system and not as a standalone superhero in this novel they repeatedly allude to this notion of a three-legged stool Yep. and that a stool a three-legged stool if you remove one of the legs can no longer stand the three legs being commissioner gordon who represents the gotham city police harvey dent who basically like the middle ground between you know the police that have to follow all the rules and batman who has to follow none he's kind of in that middle nebulous zone and then of course batman this book is so masterful because it It creates it's kind of a it's a long time before Batman even shows up. It's creating these warring crime families in Gotham, the relationship with the police and the district attorney, yep. Family feuds, all this different stuff. It this isn't a superhero novel. No, it
1: could there's a good argument to be made that this story could exist fully without
0: Batman. It could, and I'll argue in a minute why it's 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 better that it it doesn't and I'll go even further but like not only is it just a, a, it's a crime story and so it feels like very real in a way that most comics don't but it also perfectly as you go through each chapter is sprinkles in the villains that you know and love so much from the Batman universe in really tasteful ways there's a there's a yeah. chapter with the joker there's a chapter with Calendar Man. Like, all of Batman's villains make appearances and have, have something to do with the story. And it, it shouldn't work, but it really does. And it just complements the central story. And this, like, and my favorite thing about this book is, well, first of all, it's the most beautifully illustrated graphic novel I've ever read. Yep. And it's not particularly close in my opinion because, When Batman in this novel gets, first of all, the use of shadow is incredible. Almost the way that Harvey Dent throughout the first, the first, almost all of the book, he's almost always standing in shadow such that half of his face is obscured. It's incredible. Whenever Batman gets angry, the, the ends of his, of his cape and his cowl are blurred and form like they're animated as like smoke, like entrails, as if he's like, a demon and yeah, he's fading into the darkness. He literally fades into shadows and appears out of the night. Yep. It, it's a, it's incredible and couldn't be done in film. So it's very important that it's a graphic novel. And the fact that some other great Batman works draw so heavily from this storyline and the themes of this book, in my opinion, mean that this one should be a little bit higher, but that's my spiel on it for now. So you will get let's
1: do you want to just jump into the argument then? Yeah, let's let's yeah. Okay, so number two is the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight film from 2008. So I think what you're getting at is these themes of the crime saga and the three legged stool is huge. The the triumvirate of Batman, Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon is a huge piece of the Dark Knight, which is certainly borrowed from Long Halloween. Now. The reason I would argue that the Dark Knight deserves a higher place aside from its wider commercial appeal, which I do think is important because it did a huge bit of work in bringing Batman into a very, very wide relief. Like Batman is way back into people's minds. He's since fallen back out because of how terribly everybody's sort of dropped the ball since but i think that part is important but much more importantly i think the dark knight represents a pretty perfectly calibrated union of the wonderful genre tropes the wonderful pacing of long halloween with the much more intimate character driven batman driven elements of some of the other stories so i think that those things have to be held in tension for you to be a really great batman story i think the long halloween does it really really well but i think leans more towards this genre side of things i think that dark knight has all that it has that great detective sequence where he's recreating the bullet casing out of the brick it has the great carmine falcone stuff it has the parts where he's uh, he discovers all of those police officers tied together in the building. And then the timer goes off and all the police shoot at him. It has all of that. It has the Harvey Dent stuff. Reimagining his scarring in a just brutal fashion. But it also has that really deep exploration of what it is that makes Batman who he is. And what it is that Batman is and isn't willing to do. So that's why I would rank the Dark Knight ever so slightly higher than the Long Halloween. I grant you it's not as tightly told of a story. It definitely borrows from the Long Halloween, but I think the way it so perfectly holds intention, the great genre, the world building, the secondary characters, along with its it, it I think fundamental focus on the Bruce Wayne Batman characters, why I'd put it slightly higher.
0: It's it's definitely more Batman centric. In the, in the Long Halloween, Batman is essentially a static character. He's kind of a finished product. Mm -hmm. And his influence, his, his importance is more, this is really more of a Harvey Dent story, The Long Halloween. Mm -hmm. I just think that The Long Halloween, because it's a, it's also a, just a pure mystery novel. Yeah. Has a really satisfying conclusion with multiple endings. Oh yeah. It's a punches you right in the dick. It's, It's one of those head-slapper kind of... The fact that it can do all of those things, be a great detective book, be a great noir book, be a police book, crime book, a Batman novel, it it does everything without feeling jam-packed and too much, which is insane to think about. That coupled with, in my opinion, like a really definitive artistic style for depicting that universe in Batman, to me, still edges it over the dark Knight, and you know me i i love the dark Knight. it's one of my favorite movies ever i, I think this is maybe not a holy war like we've discussed before but like yeah. we're, we're we're arguing between two of the greatest batman you know two of the greatest yeah. pieces of of content ever not just batman content so <sighs> I, I i just i love the length of the long halloween like reading the long halloween over the course of a couple weeks in in my case was just such an unbelievably beautiful experience it took me that long because you have to look at every single panel because just reading a comic book is a you know a quarter of its content most of the story is told in the in the way it's lighted in the way it's drawn and i think i get obviously it's different than a movie but i don't know i i've never been affected by a graphic novel like i was reading the long halloween that's just maybe it's a personal thing for me well we maybe will have some horse trading ahead of us, because I, if there ends up a list
1: where the Long Halloween is number two, I'm not going to be too, I'm not going to be too put off by
0: it. Well, what's so number one then?
1: I think you probably can guess what number one is. Number one is The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> I figured as much. So The Dark Knight Returns, for those of you who don't know, which if you're still listening, you almost assuredly do know what it is. It's the story of bruce wayne coming out of retirement in his late 50s to save the world i think the really fundamentally crazy thing about this story is that it advances the idea of this superhero who's aged who's gotten the shit kicked out of him who if we imagine it in sort of the dark Knight rises version has no cartilage left in his knees who suffered all these concussions who almost certainly is doomed to a life of you know cte and alzheimer's and dementia later in life who there's no way he sleeps through the night he must be in so much pain and yet he comes out of retirement to save the world once again it's Such a cool concept, and it's so utterly believable out of Bruce Wayne in a way that it just wouldn't be for anybody else because Superman doesn't really feel pain. You can't imagine
0: Superman doing this because, eh, whatever, he's fine. Well... A lot... Yeah. You said it. You can't imagine it because, like, you don't understand what it feels like to be weak to kryptonite, but you can imagine what a failing human body would feel like. Absolutely, and to...
1: To make us believe that Batman cares so deeply about saving this city that he's worked so hard to protect, in a way that I think shows his evolution from guy fighting to, you know, scratch away some of the pain of losing his parents to guy who feels really strongly about saving the people and the city around him. The fact that that's believable is just
0: remarkable. Yes, I would like to point out that the artistic style of this particular book really leans into that motif because it's very um it's like mad maxi almost oh it's very mad maxi yeah like it's it's apocalyptic and it's Mm -hmm. it's like it's like zombie almost you know like yeah cyborgs and shit like it's very it's kind of separate from a lot of the feel that you get from a lot of other batman content Hmm. And it feels more superheroy, and like just the like the way he's illustrated, he's got these crazy broad shoulders and like this yeah. huge jaw, and he's massive. It's it's really it's a really striking visual that I I like a lot. Yeah, but I wish it's interesting
1: because deep down, a part of me wishes that this exact story would have been told in the world of something like Long Halloween. Yeah, so that will be sort of my one critique of the Dark Knight Returns is that I like the world of Long Halloween better, but I like this Batman and this concept of Batman better because this is to me what draws me and millions of people around the world ceaselessly back into the world of Batman is that the idea of somebody so deeply connected to this one idea to this one goal is so compelling. It's so compelling to think of somebody who wants one thing so deeply. And I think for me, what's, what's really cool about this is it, like I said earlier, it represents the shift from the one thing being revenge and making himself whole to making the people around him whole, which is an even more compelling idea because it's taking the idea of progress in comic books, which is totally against all the rules of comic books to have the character make progress and it's building that into this character in a way that feels so believable and it feels really earned like even the broad shoulders i think are a a really conscious decision to show the character's development like this is a guy who over the years has grown bigger and bigger in his quest to protect all of the people around
0: him i think that that's that's an intentional choice Oh, unquestionably. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue (laughs) really strongly at at the top of this list like this, because they're all such great things. We can discuss it a little more in detail, I guess, in a minute. I'm going to rattle through some honorable mentions. I have quite a few here, and we don't have time to get into it. I'm just going to rapid fire here. Yep. I think seriously, a a really good piece of Batman content is the Lego Batman movie. (laughs) Yeah. It actually really kind of hits you, and it explores a theme that, wasn't really explored to a great extent in a lot of the ones we've talked about already on this list like the concept that batman is terrified of having personal relationships because he's afraid of having them taken away from him yeah that theme is explored really effectively in the lego batman movie mm-hmm. and that movie was hilarious and so lovingly crafted so many yeah. awesome batman easter eggs and, and hints thrown in there i i'm serious about that one i really like the lego batman movie Okay. My personal favorite episode of Batman the Animated series, The Grey Ghost. Yeah. Wherein you learn about young Bruce Wayne's love of a TV show. It's, it's super meta. The Grey Ghost is basically the Batman of the Batman universe. He's yeah. a comic book detective. And in this episode of Batman the Animated series, a supervillain is, imp- is performing crimes that appeared in the old show. And so Batman has to find the actor that played The Grey Ghost because there are no existing tapes of the old show. And the the actor comes out of retirement to in his gray ghost. It's it's amazing. It's and he's voiced by Adam West. West. It's really meta. It really pays homage to the concept of like the role of a hero, even a fictional one, in a young person's life, which is what Batman is to all of us. It's yeah. I named my gray Toyota Camry the Gray Ghost. Obviously, has (laughs) a lot. A personal relevance for me one of the, one of my favorite books gotham by gaslight it's batman imagined i think it's like like what victorian or not victorian yeah um yeah victorian era england basically at the time of jack the ripper <laughs> Mm-hmm. and imagines what that iteration of batman would be like and incredible i love that book the original or not the original but kind of like the popularization of batman movies batman the 1989 version with michael keaton Made it possible for Batman to actually be like a big, big screen success. And I think a lot of the the later, I think better Batman films owe this one a lot. Very much so. Batman Begins, <laughs> like yeah. so, yeah. so criminally overlooked in that, in that trilogy really brought Batman back in a, in a huge way after a really long hiatus really addresses that the theme of fear, like we discussed and made Batman this really terrifying creature of the night on the big screen for the first time
1: yep and importantly as we think
0: about movies that
1: need another look the dark knight rises has since become so underrated so overrated it's now underrated it's cycling back and forth it is
0: currently criminally underrated agreed under the Red Hood which yeah I, th- I think that one probably has some serious chops. It explores a, a storyline that I will not spoil but one that has been done numerous times in the Batman universe but none better so than in Under the Red Hood. Yep. Exploring some of the <laughs> the trauma that might occur to someone that <laughs> functions in a role like Batman does and the dangers that that puts people in a role like that. Yep similar to The Killing Joke, a really kind of viscerally upsetting story. Sub-Zero, another Dr. Freeze, or Mr. Freeze story that we both happen to love a lot. Sideshow, another really great episode of Batman the Animated Series. That's such a great episode. Probably not serious, but it's basically- Who knew Killer Croc could be relatable and interesting? It's a really sad story where Killer Croc escapes Arkham Asylum and ends up traveling with, like, a basically a freak show, a circus freak show that kind of travels on their own, and he- for the first time in his life actually fits in with a group of people only to be a little kid with the
1: flippers oh my god
0: unbelievable only to be pursued into the wilderness by batman and it's a a great episode oh that's such a good episode (laughs) the last two no particular episode but the animated series batman beyond which i loved as a kid yeah, don't forget. That was so good. Love Batman Beyond. It's like, it's like a Spider-Man 2049 parallel, like takes place in the near future where Batman is super old. They were like seriously considering making a live action movie in which Clint Eastwood would have played an older Batman. Which been I wouldn't tall. have hated it. So I love that show. The last one, I don't remember like what, in what context we saw this, but it was, I think part of that four pack. And yes. oh my God, Mike, it, Basically, it's these four kids explaining to each other what and who Batman is, and each as each one explains it, their idea of what Batman is 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 shown on the screen in very very different animation styles. The one kid they're just walking home, like kicking a rock around in the street. The one kid says, "Batman is a robot," and it. Uh. I saw him do this and this and this, and it shows like an animated animatronic Batman. And he's like, "No, no, no! You're totally wrong. The way kids do, you know." you're wrong. He's a shadow beast. Like, no, 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 no. He's actually a vampire bat. That's like an absurd size. And they have this debate about the legendary figure of Batman. And I'm serious about this one because it paints this picture of this legendary figure that the Batman is this figure that's shrouded in mystery. And it totally highlights the point that Batman could be anyone or anything and, and that he needn't be one thing. It's, He just needs to be whatever it is for a particular person or whatever it is. That's a really, really incredible piece of animation. I love that so much. (laughs) I wish we should look up what it's called, but it seems like we can't put it on the list since we don't even know what it's called and couldn't find it with a quick Google search there. But that's one of my favorite Batman stories, especially since we didn't really know what it was at the time when we first watched it. We're just floored. That was very
1: unexpected. I think I got that from the bargain bin at Walmart. It was a four movie pack, and yeah. oh, it was so great because it, that our experience, the the serendipity of our seeing that, the way it was shown on the screen, it's exactly what Batman's all about. He's a legend. He's like Babe Ruth. You don't know exactly what he did, but you heard about it from somebody down the street.
0: Yes, precisely. So maybe that's one is just like our personal pick and one of our favorites but doesn't make the list quite seriously yeah all right so let's get let's get down to the hard work talk yeah. to me about what you think is uh vulnerable i think the case of the chemical syndicate makes sense it's one of our homage picks that we like to do yep i think though i love i think you've done a really good job of of ranking here i think if there are vulnerable ones it's towards the bottom of the list i would actually mm-hmm. want to keep perchance to dream because it's more yeah. of a batman centric story than heart of ice is Yep. I think I would actually say Heart of Ice is a little vulnerable. Ooh. Just be, I, I know, it's tough. But because that's such a freeze-centric story. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is true. In that case, I'm not really serious about Lego Batman. It doesn't quite fit, but I think it deserves like a serious, like number 11 or number 12 spot. I, I do agree with you because I think it captures nicely that balance between
1: cynicism and childlike openness to the wonder of this world yeah
0: i think the one i would probably want to toss on there is maybe under the red hood i think that's the yeah. one i feel most strongly about i think that's a very good addition to this yeah the rest are ones that i love but that i think fall somewhere past number 10 so I, if you're comfortable with that i'd like to In i i'm i don't know i think i'm what i might do and i think the ordering is is where we want to have some more serious debate. What do you think about removing Heart of Ice and adding Under the Red Hood just for our, our content? Ooh, uh, it hurts so badly. <laughs> Does that make sense though? Because I think, like as far as like actual content goes, like that's a better episode of television than Perchance to Dream is. But I guess it comes down to what this this list aims to be. Because there's no other story on this list that, that highlights the Batman story as well as Perchance to Dream does in terms of the effects, the effects of losing one's parents has on one's psyche. All right. I'll pull, let's pull Heart of Ice and just
1: mutually agree that it's the greatest episode of television ever. Okay. On three. One, two, three. Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) It's just not, it's just not quite Batman centric enough is its only crime. Okay. Okay, I think that's his only it. crime was that he loved me. <laughs> okay, ordering. Yeah, hot take. I really think the Long Halloween should be number one. I think it's the greatest Batman story that there is. I, hot take. I think you're right. I think it's number one. I, yeah, I think that Dark Knight Returns should be number two. I think that the Dark Knight, while clearly being the best Batman film there is, I think there's some. Some justice to the top two being graphic novels. And The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises as films pull so much from these stories. It feels right to me. And I, But The Dark Knight should and could not possibly slot out of our top three. Does that seem fair to you? Hot take. I'm down. Okay. I really like the rest of the list, what you did with it. I actually think I like it exactly as is. The only thing we have to figure out, I think, is where we slot Under the Red Hood in.
1: Yeah, without getting too specific about why. <laughs> I think that we have some good content that treads on some similar
0: ground yep. near the top of this list. I agree. I think it should slot under Arkham Asylum. Yes. I think I think I would put it maybe at number 9 just because like the medium is so similar to no- to The Mask of the Phantasm, just the fact that yeah. it's an animated film. Whereas Perchance the Dream is our now our highest ranking animated series episode, Arkham Asylum is our video game, and Batman Year One, I just don't think is I, I think is better than Under the Red Hood. So that feels I like, think that's exactly right. Then what we have just done is made our definitive list of Batman stories, basically. It feels an awful lot like that. I hope this was not too expansive a
1: list for the purposes of this.
0: We have missed so many Batman things that Yeah. The,
1: sure. Yeah, we didn't even mention like Nightfall death in the family hush whatever i know (laughs) it's a very
0: subjective list and these are ones that we've all shared
1: together so absolutely that's i think that's a big part of it this is a love letter to our enjoyment of batman together certainly yeah and we will most certainly touch on a few more specific batman centric issues in the coming episodes no doubt all right i'm gonna rattle it off please do all right number 10 batman's first appearance in the case of the criminal syndicate number nine under the red hood number eight the heartbreaking (laughs) perchance to dream (sighs) number seven the world building wonderful year one number six the dick punching the butt punching Mm -hmm. arkham asylum number five the also heartbreaking (laughs) <laughs> Jesus. batman mask of the phantasm certainly a theme of these uh number four the shockingly heartbreaking killing joke oh. number three the wondrous the dark knight number two the deeply deeply inspiring the dark knight returns and number one i think rightly so i think we came to it in the end people read this graphic novel read it do it it's so it is like a raymond chandler mystery with the violence dialed up to 10 and the batman dialed up to 13 number one the greatest batman story of all time batman the long halloween no doubt
0: fantastic that was fun (laughs) long overdue (laughs) yes long overdue and a true joy excellent well if you're still keen i'll see you next week man
1: Alright, dog, I'm so keen. Alright. Peace. Alright, peace. Alrighty, friends. That was our top 10 for this week, but now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at Top10KM. That's all spelled out Top10KM. Our email, Top10KM, spelled the same way, at gmail.com, or our site, top10km.podbean.com All forms of communication accepted, except for serial killer notes. Please don't send us any of those.
0: If you like the pod, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of Top 10 ever again. If you didn't like it, please tell us why. We'll try to make the show better. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork was created by Aaron Sant. You can check out her stuff at santdesign.com on Instagram.
1: Alrighty goons, we'll see you next week.